Well, welcome in, everybody, off the weekend. Welcome to the month of May and the Fight Freaks Unite Recap Podcast. I am merely the somewhat capable, somewhat competent host, T.J. Reeves. You are here to hear on Fight Freaks Unite from the man, Dan Rayfield, who's back aboard. He is our uh, content partner on Big Fight Weekend, but more importantly, the Fight Freaks Unite uh, is his from his Substack, from his site, from his email list. And we're ready to go over the Shakur Stevenson dominant win to become unified junior lightweight world champion. And also Katie Taylor's thrilling win uh, to retain her undisputed ladies lightweight championship over Amanda Serrano and what was a great fight on Saturday night. We're ready to recap all of that. Dan remains in Las Vegas. No, he has not taken up permanent residency, but he is there for a while right now off the Stevenson win and before the Canelo Alvarez, Dimitri Bivol fight coming this weekend in the very same MGM Grand Garden Arena. So Dan is back aboard. Good to have you as we recap all of this. How are things? Things are good. And actually, the fight next week, it's the host hotel is the MGM Grand. But the Canelo fight will take place at the T-Mobile Arena just up the street. But uh, uh, things are good. It's, a, it's, a, it's great to have busy boxing times, not only here in Las Vegas with uh, last night's fight that took place in the Grand Garden, next week's fight uh, at the T-Mobile, uh, last night's fight that took place at Madison Square Garden with the women's championship fight and, and that good uh, matchroom uh, boxing card. And you know what? We're going to see more down the road because maybe not here in Vegas or New York, but then a week after you got the undisputed junior middleweight championship rematch with uh, Charlo and Castaño. So we're right now in the throes of a great boxing season as we just come off of the Tyson Fury heavyweight championship um, title defense in the UK with 94,000. So it's a, it's a tremendous spring for all the different networks and all the different people that are involved in the sport in terms of putting on these events. I do not disagree, and I, and thank you for keeping me straight on all of this, on who's fighting where and how this is going, and this is why you got to be locked in with Dan, not only on his Substack and Fight Freaks Unite, but helping us out with BigFightWeekend.com. Uh, and again, I disclaim a couple of ways that we have the audio podcast going here, so be on the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed, follow and subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, that's wherever you get podcasts. Find the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed, that's where this recap version Fight Freaks Unite recap version uh, will come your way off the weekend. Again, if you were following and subscribing, you got an automatic notification as we've recorded this on Sunday and it comes out on Sunday evening, Sunday night, light blinks, ding on the phone, ding on the iPad, whatever, that you have a new one if you're following and subscribing. Also, Dan, dual purpose. We are tech savvy here. They are also able to see you and I doing Fight Freaks Unite this time on the Big Fight Weekend YouTube channel. We're putting this up as a video on the YouTube channel. So again, I say to the audience, it's only hearing us uh, if you want to see us, Dan is sporting the outstanding plaid shirt. He's got the hat on. I've got the Florida. I don't even know what this is. Salmon color, light. Uh, I don't coral, know what this coral, is. I don't know. Coral. I don't know. Golf shirt. We did not coordinate our reds, though. Today. We did not coordinate the reds. If you want to see us, my point is Big Fight Weekend YouTube page, and you want to be locked in there for video content from us as well. So see us as well as hearing us, however you're doing that. All disclaimers are good. Let's get into what they're here for on Fight Freaks Unite and the recap. Uh, we've had probably 20 hours at the time you and I are talking, give or take here, to, to digest Shakur Stevenson's dominant win. That's the word I will use over Oscar Valdez. What are your thoughts? You were in the MGM Grand Garden Arena watching that performance. What are your thoughts on the recap, Dan? I thought it was a great, I thought it was a terrific performance. I also thought Oscar Valdez put on a good performance despite the loss. Uh, but in terms of Shakur, uh, it's like we spoke about in the preview 
uh, like I spoke about with other people that asked my opinion about what uh, I thought the fight would look like. It really went sort of as I suspected uh, that they're both top quality guys that Shakur Stevenson with a little bit more youth and more speed and better defense and, and better overall skills, not by a dramatic amount, but enough to be better on a given night that he would win and do so in a manner that he did, which was win a decision um, in, a, in a convincing manner. Um, you know, I thought the fight was nine rounds to three. He gets the extra point for the knockdown that he had. Um, two of the judges had it uh, even wider, uh, 11, uh, 10 rounds to two. I had the same score as one of the other judges. Um, it was a, it was a, I, I like to term, I'd like to phrase it like this. It was a, a, a very entertaining, but somewhat one-sided fight. Uh, and Shakur, the kind of performance that when you look back years from now, when, when I think he will eventually be on that, you know, upper echelon pound for pound uh, list that you'll look back and say, this was sort of the, this was the star making performance. This was the one that showed everybody that whatever he had accomplished before this, which was a good things, but somewhat minimal. Uh, this was the one that shows you this guy is going to be around and be as, as James Prince, his manager said last night after the fight to a few of us, Shakur is going to be a problem for a lot of guys. And he's hundred percent right. He's going to be a problem for a lot of guys for a long time. And, uh, and Oscar, you know, he gave it a great shot. Uh, I hope he dusts himself off, come back. He has a very great opportunity to, to, to win titles in the future because he's not going to probably come up against anybody as, as, as complicated and as tough as Shakur uh, was to fight against last night. I love your insight because you've done this for so long and, and been around some of these different guys. You said to us in the preview mode on the Big Fight Weekend preview, skills pay the bills. Was Shakur Stevenson just so skilled uh, with that jab out of the southpaw stance with attacking the body? I mean, tactically, what did he do so well that Valdez couldn't solve, Dan? He had the distance perfect. He snapped the jab out. He kept Oscar at bay. He, he is people just think of uh, I think people think of Shakur just as a like a real savvy technical boxer. But don't make any mistake as he's gotten a little bit older and a little bit stronger. He's a solid puncher also. I mean, he's not a knockout artist, but he can hurt you. I mean, you know, this is not the same Shakur Stevenson in terms of his man strength as he was when he turned pro. I like, you know, I don't know what he was, 18 years older or, or 19 years old. He's he's grown into a man now. And, and it's, he's developing. And the thing that's scary about the abilities that he has, he's just getting better. When you think about some of the, the, the recent greats and, and where they were in their careers at age 24, think about a Floyd Mayweather. Think about a, uh, a Canelo. Think about an Oscar De La Hoya. Think about those types of fighters that became upper echelon, pound-for-pound type of fighters. They still continue to get better when they were 24 years old. Shakur is still a long way from being the finished product. He's got, you know, if he keeps on the straight and narrow and, and keeps, uh, you know, training hard and, and not letting outside influences get to him and, and stays focused, he's going to be a dominant fighter for a long time, and he's just getting better. And this is, I think, the tip of the iceberg that we will look back, you know, uh, 10 years from now and say, wow, you know, look what this guy did from the age of his early 20s through wherever he is at that time. But uh, it, was, it was a terrific performance. Sky is the limit. The only thing I not worry about but think about is, like, what else is there for him to do at 130 pounds because the other boxers that hold the titles are not household names. They're also not with the same promotion TV. So they're hard to make. They're not really well uh, known in terms of their recognition or the money that they could bring to bear for a unification fight. So I think that where the struggle will come for Shakur is getting opponents that get him motivated, get fans excited. Um, he's not yet ready to go to lightweight. He'll be there soon enough. There's a lot of business that has to clear out before that happens. Anyway, maybe they can entice one of the top featherweights to come up and wait. 
you know, we'll have to see what happens. I think the fight that might be the, the fight that top rank may look towards in the future, uh, still uncertain what Vasily Lomachenko is going to do. I think that could be a highly marketable fight. Vasily Lomachenko has always said that he could still fight at 130 pounds for the right fight. Well, to me, when you think about Vasily Lomachenko from day one of his pro career, he always talked about wanting to make history that it was more important to him than the money. Well, he's already had a title at 130, but he's never been a unified champion at 130. So prospect of a fight against Shakur Stevenson, you know, the defensive master of now compared to the, the defensive master of Lomachenko is a little bit older and more mature in his career. That's a great matchup. So that's something I think that could be a big fight for him down the road. We'll have to see. Voice of Dan Rayfield. Again, it's the fight freaks unite. A podcast. You may also be seeing the video on the Big Fight Weekend YouTube page. Again, we are multi-platform here, doing what we can to spread the word around Big Fight Weekend. And I will say publicly, again, thank you to Dan, because the site traffic is up, the podcast listens are up, the video is up. Uh, look, I, I don't presuppose here that, that you're tuning in to hear uh, me, I don't presuppose if you're watching that it's because we're male models and, and, and we're great to look at. Uh, it's because of Dan's content and insight. So thank you for that. And we continue to rock along. And again, if, if you don't know about the Big Fight Weekend YouTube page, go find it, go subscribe. You can see the video here. There'll be other content that's there. And again, if you're seeing video coverage of this, find the podcast feed, which many more have already found in the last couple of weeks. Fight Freaks Unite is the recap podcast that we're on right now coming off the weekend and recapping things. So we stay focused on that on the same card. And I promise we'll get to Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano coming up in just a few moments because there's plenty to talk about with that fight. But I want to stay chronologically with what Dan covered for us and for Fight Freaks Unite and his Substack there in Vegas. So on the undercard, Keyshawn Davis, the Olympic silver medalist, won one convincingly. That's not surprising. Also, Nico Ali Walsh might have heard. We keep joking about this. He's the grandson of Muhammad Ali. He won with an impressive one-two punch knockout in the first round of his fight. So we now know those results. Dan, your thoughts on both of those in the recap mode, having been in the arena? Well, first of all, in terms of Nico Ali Walsh's knockout, I don't think anybody didn't think he was going to win. I mean, the matchmakers do what they do. They, they, you know, he's a developing fighter. He's a marquee name because of his bloodlines. Uh, but I don't think anybody thought he's going to get rid of this dude in one round. I mean, he was a competent opponent. It wasn't like they matched him with a complete nobody, complete scrub, a guy that was not able to fight. They just matched him at the appropriate level. So to see Nico do what he did uh, was very impressive. And, and, you know, maybe at the risk of uh, people wanting to uh, make fun of me about it, I happen to think that this young man is improving. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be the next middleweight world champion or he's going to be on the pound for pound list. But based on what I have seen from his pro debut through the first couple of fights, he had a hard fight. One of the fights where it was, you know, a little shaky, but he's absolutely getting better. And he is a diligent trainer. I have been friendly with Richard Sloan, who is his trainer for, you know, over 20 years. I met him through my relationship with Emmanuel Stewart, who he was, you know, a uh, who mentored Richard in his uh, earlier days in boxing. Richard goes back to the days of his time with Joe Frazier. He's a very knowledgeable boxing guy, besides just being a world-renowned sports artist. But he is now the trainer of Nico Ali Walsh. And I was talking to him about it. He's like, look, we're doing the things that I learned from Emmanuel, the old school Kronk style. And, you know, it works with us because he's talking about how Nico is such a hard worker. And uh, if he keeps doing that, again, I don't know how far he can go, but he's certainly better now than he was two, three fights ago. And that's important. And the fans love him. 
And the reaction in the arena when he scored the knockout was, you know, electrifying and, uh, you know, great way, great win for him. And, and, uh, and, you know, we'll see what, how far you can go. And, and, uh, in terms of Keyshawn Davis's knockout, mm. you know, this is a blue chip prospect through and through, you know, on the level of what Shakur was when he was coming up or what Oscar Valdez was when he's coming up guys with that Olympic background, you know, with, uh, you know, who you expect to win a world title. Um, and right now he's on that right path. It's just a matter of getting in the reps, getting the experience. Um, he took out a guy that had an excellent record, 18 and one in uh, Esteban, Esteban Sanchez, uh, you know, who was a tough guy and, you know, made it, I would say it was hard for Keyshawn Davis, but he gave him some different looks. And Keyshawn talked about after the, after the fight about how, you know, how good he was and what a hard head he had and the types of uh, difficulties that he gave him in the first couple of rounds, but he came through it extremely well. And uh, he's such a well-spoken guy, such a, a hard worker, uh, such a pleasure to be around that it's, he's impossible not to root for Keyshawn Davis. And uh, you know, I was with my good buddy, Lance Pugmire, uh, who writes now where I used to work at USA Today, and we were um, we were out uh, in the casino, and we ran into uh, to uh, Keyshawn and some of his his friends that were here for the fight. And you know, he was asking us like, "How do you think I did? What do you think we can I can improve on?" I'm like, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a trainer, but you just need. I said what I just said to you. I said you need the reps, and you know, just keep listening to your your you know your trainers and and let, let your matchmakers do their job. And you know, the sky is the limit. He is gonna be a star, and uh, he's got. Here's the thing. When you have that kind of personality and that kind of ability and you're coachable and you stay out of trouble, I mean, the, the sky is the limit for this kid. Well, and I thought it was interesting, too. And how about this? Uh, this is why we love Dan Rayfield's insight. And he's there on scene in Las Vegas. And again, he will be there with coverage all week of the Canelo Dimitri Bivol uh, World Light Heavyweight Championship fight, WBA World Light Heavyweight title fight all week in Vegas uh, with that fight coming Saturday night, May the 7th. Uh, but here in terms of recapping uh, things with uh, Keyshawn Davis, you didn't probably get to hear a lot of this, but on the call, uh, Timothy Bradley on the ESPN top rank call continues. Maybe gush is too strong of a word, but he is definitely in the camp of Davis's potential. Let's just put it uh, th that way diplomatically, because he kept saying, see, he kept going, Ooh, I told you, I told you with the stuff that he's watching uh, that he sees such potential in five pro fights um I, I just thought that was interesting and i thought i would relay that to you that bradley is a former multi-division world champion and he continues to proclaim i see potential greatness uh, every time that he's watching Keyshawn davis he said that again last night i see greatness potentially here out of this guy dan just i mean I, I i saw I, I i ran into timothy last night after the fight also who i've known for many years and we we talked a little bit about a few different things and that was one of the things that we we mentioned and we both agree that that uh he does have that kind of potential i mean potential is potential you have to achieve it but right now just on the eye test based on his current experience level in terms of his pro game plus the fact that he had like 200 amateur fights and was at the top level of uh usa boxing you know fighting within the united states as well as the international competitions um and going to the olympics you know on kind of short notice actually the olympic uh birth uh what else can you say he is I mean, I don't want to get too crazy because it is only, like you said, a handful of professional fights. He's not fighting top contenders, nor would he be expected to. But he's 23 years old, and uh, the, the future is extremely bright for him. And that's that's the bottom line. If you ask the people at top rank who have a tremendous roster of young fighters, they'll tell you that he, uh, along with maybe Xander Zayas, are the two guys that they see 
with serious potential to be attractions and top fighters, you know, because you can be an attraction, maybe not be that good. And you can maybe be a top fighter, but really not be an attraction. They think that guys like Keyshawn Davis and, and, and uh, Xander Zayas, the junior middleweight, that both of them have both the ability as well as the marketability uh, potential to do great things. Um, and it's not just, you know, I know we talked about, you know, the two, the TV undercard, which was Nico's great knockout and, and the, uh, and the bright future of what uh, Keyshawn Davis showed, but they have other fighters on their card that were part of the ESPN plus coverage. Like, and I have been high on this lightweight for a number of fights, Raymond Morataya, who is out of the Robert Garcia gym in, uh, in Southern California. You know, he looked fantastic last night. Again, not the main event level card, but he scored a third round knockout of a, of a tough guy named Jeremy Hill. And uh, it was a spectacular performance. They had this kid who's from Las Vegas. They recently signed him, Andres Cortez, who was a junior lightweight, who maybe not as as uh, much potential in terms of his overall abilities, but he's going to be a super exciting fighter. He was in a tremendous undercard fight that was somewhat one-sided, but a great action fight, also in a victory that he uh, won by a knockout. So there's a lot of talent. I love going to a big fight like a Shakur Stevenson, Oscar Valdez, high stakes main event, lots of interest from the fans and from the press. And when you look at the undercard and you see all the talent on there and you think to yourself, you know, three, four years from now, you look back and say, you know, Shakur Stevenson beat Oscar Valdez in this big fight. And then you look uh, at what the undercard was. Oh, you know, Keyshawn Davis was on that card or, oh, Raymond Moritai was on that card or, you know, where else you want to mention. And it just shows you how they how they develop these fighters, you know, in these positions. That's that's why you should pay attention to those cards, even if the matches aren't the most competitive. Uh, But in this case, uh, they were highly entertaining. And if you're a fight freak, this guy is all about it with covering those undercard fights and fighters and giving you the heads up. It's part of the Fight Freaks Unite recap podcast. Again, Dan was part of the ESPN Top Rank show that was at the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas. Um, Again, we remind you whether you're just hearing us and or you're seeing us as well uh, when the video is up on youtube on the big fight weekend youtube page we've got a couple of sponsors our friends at bet us if you are looking to wager and and you probably will be on the canelo alvarez dimitri bebo fight do it with our friends at bet us they've been america's favorite sports book for three decades they're proud sponsors of us we have got an and a very advantageous thing if you are new to sign up you get a 125 percent match bonus for whatever you deposit in initially with our promo code bfw22 that's for big fight weekend bfw22 for big fight weekend uh, again, that promo code gets you 125% on the match. Put 100 bucks in, get 125 more to wager. But this weekend, put 200 in, get 250 more to wager. Just do the math. 125% match bonus up to $1,000 on your initial deposit. First-time depositors get this. Their uh, wagers are 100% guaranteed, safe, secure. You bet, you win, you get paid quickly with BetUS. Use our promo code BFW22. And, Dan, this is one more interesting sponsor. We have our friends at Ticket Smarter on the secondary ticket market. I I love uh, all of these different uh, angles to what we do. Ticket Smarter, by the way, has a great selection for all sporting events, including boxing. And they've got great tickets. I looked right before you and I began recording. They've got great tickets right now on their app and on their service for Canelo Bivol. Right now, the cheapest get-in price Sunday night as we release this podcast and do the show on YouTube is $400. That's the cheapest on the secondary market. So get in with our friends at Ticket Smarter. We've got another promo code, and hey, it's the same thing, BFW22 for Big Fight Weekend in the Year. BFW22, you get 10 bucks off 
every time you use it, not just once, but every time you use it, get 10 bucks off your order. So take advantage of that for the Canelo fight, any of these fights. They've got over a thousand different events going on for May concerts, sports, NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs, Major League Baseball, but particularly for boxing for the Canelo fight. You mentioned Charlo Castaño uh, that's coming up uh, for the World uh, Junior Middleweight Supremacy. Ticket Smarter. Use their app, TicketSmarter.com. Promo code BF20, BFW22 gets you uh, $10 off uh, with Ticket Smarter. Think Smarter, Ticket Smarter. So a couple of sponsors, a couple of ads out of the way. Uh, let's segue to the Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano, uh, tremendous uh, world lightweight championship fight. And I thought it was interesting for the Ticket Smarter purposes. I actually put this on social media. That event was so hotly interesting and contested even on the secondary market that the get-in price at Madison Square Garden remained at over $200 right up until fight time. So that tells you about the demand, 19,000-plus announced attendance, but the tickets on the secondary market were still you know, upwards of $150, $200 uh, to get in. It shows you there was interest. Great atmosphere. I know you were watching remotely in Las Vegas, Dan Raphael. I was watching, obviously, here in West Central Florida, uh, where I, I uh, host everything and do everything for Big Fight Weekend and for these podcasts, etc. But man, that was some atmosphere that came across our our screens from the zone. What are your thoughts, first of all, on the atmosphere? Then we'll get to the fights. Well, obviously, we were watching. I was watching on my laptop with a few of other myself and a few others of us uh, at ringside last night for the Valdez and Shakur fight. You know, I had my laptop open tuned to my DAZN subscription and, you know, three or four of us were gathered around the screen watching. And it was actually at a reasonably good time during the other, during the MGM card, because there was a break. So we were able to watch, you know, the women's fight is only two minute round. So it's a little shorter than the men's fight. And so therefore uh, we were able to watch virtually all of it. I had a, go back to my writing screen for a minute, but it was at the very tail end of the fight, but we were able to see like probably 95% of the, uh, of the Taylor Serrano fight. It was a great matchup. I mean, not, and as, as, as somebody pointed out to me, it wasn't just a great women's fight. It was just a great fight period. Uh, and, and that was important. And Eddie Hearn had made the point leading up to this when he was promoting it, that the way that you make women's boxing side of the sport bigger is not just to tell people they should support it because it's women's boxing. Because, you know, if it's not entertaining, I don't care if it's man, woman, you know, it could be goats. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I want to see good, you know, solid competitive fights. And so if you make women's matches that turn out, you know, you can tell people how big it is, how important it is, how historic it is. But if they don't deliver, who cares? But they said all that stuff leading up to the fight. And then those two women got in the ring and they fought their hearts out and they and they just put on one of the most, you know, a spectacle, uh, just a tremendous matchup, men or women. And, uh, you know, I, I actually, before we started recording this earlier in the, in the day here in Las Vegas, I spoke to somebody that I know that's been with Madison Square Garden for a number of years, who's been to countless events, boxing and otherwise at the Garden, who said that it was maybe uh, the best atmosphere uh, they have been in, you know, of, of not just at the Garden, but any arena event that they have attended, which is tons of them all wow. over the country yeah. and all different kind of events. Uh, and I have been myself to, you know, uh, you know, many, many Madison Square Garden events, virtually every event they've held in the main arena for boxing for 20 years, uh, as well as all these MGM type fights and Vegas fights. So, you know, it was on par with the best of them. And uh, and I understand why, because they they just poured their hearts out in a back and forth fight. You know, Katie had a had a big start to the fight, looked like she was going to run away with it the first, you know, what, maybe three, four rounds. And then Amanda came back and got herself together. And in the fifth round, 
you know, had basically a 10-8 round without scoring a knockdown because she had her out so badly on her feet multiple times. And just back and forth, Katie made a, a strong finish the last, you know, two or three rounds. And and uh, it ended up with a split decision. As Eddie Hearn said in his post-fight interview on uh, the DAZN broadcast with uh, Chris Mannix, uh, he added 4-4 four, four after 8. And Katie was able to do probably just enough in those last two rounds to, to get the uh, slight edge. But, uh, you know, a great fight, fair scoring, nothing crazy. And, uh, you know, if, 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 if you bought a ticket for that fight, and you had, you know, you heard the hype about this big women's match and wanted to see what all the hype was about. And, you, you know, they did a smart thing. I know it was sold out, but they priced the tickets very, very, uh, uh, you know, affordable to get in. So, you know, they had 19000 The gate won't crack a million dollars, but that's okay because they're building something. They have a foundation now to make a bigger deal later. They'll do a rematch, and I guarantee you the rematch you know, will exceed seven figures in gay money because people who saw that, whether they were there or they just watch it, they'll want to go. Uh, so they're doing a great job of building that foundation of these women's super fights. And, and those two women, you know, they'll, they, they're both going to be in the hall of fame at some, at some point, that's very obvious. Uh, now, especially that, that women are on the ballot in the hall of fame, they've got their own ballot. Uh, I thought it was fantastic that not only was it a tribute to these two women, to, what they did, who are current stars of the sport and uh, on the pound for pound women's list anyway, but they had all the, uh, the, the many of the current uh, top women's stars, as well as some of the past greats, like Christy Martin was there ringside, who's right. a trailblazer in the sport. Layla Ali, uh, I, as I joke with somebody, we had the grandson here on the West Coast, and they had the daughter on the East Coast. Uh, so Layla was there uh, to show her support, as was Christy, and then a bunch of the other champions, like Alicia Baumgartner and Michaela Mayer, and you know, Clarissa Shields was uh, one of the commentators, and they had Jessica McCaskill, who was you know, the ringside analyst with the zone. So can they I brought share all these- with you. Can I interject? She did a really yeah. good job. She did, I know. Oh, I, I don't know how much you got to hear of that because again, you were working. No, but watching, I watched it. I, I, I rewatched hear- it. I, th- I thought she. What were your thoughts? I thought she was really good with Todd Grisham and with Chris Mannix. Well, I've heard Jessica has. She's done some commentary on a couple of past the zone events uh, that involve women's boxing matches, and uh, and uh, I've also interviewed her. She's she's a smart woman. She knows how to how to break down the fight. I thought she did an excellent job, and and it was good that they're that for that level of fight on the women's side of the sport that they were able to utilize two of the brightest stars in the game today, which is which is uh, uh, Jessica McCaskill to do the commentary. Uh, who, by the way, was talking about how she would love to fight Katie Taylor, have her come up or maybe in the middle. And of course, Clarissa Shields was one of the people on their uh, their host position, um, you know, who knows something about being undisputed because she's been undisputed in two different weight classes. And it was just if you're a fan of the women's side of boxing, it was a glorious night for that. And even if you're not the biggest fan of women's boxing and you just like a good boxing match. It was a hell of a fight. And by the way, as I said to you before we came on here, I thought the undercard was pretty damn good also because yep. that fight between Liam Smith and uh, and Jesse Vargas, you know, was a very good fight also, uh, you know, in a, in a highly competitive match. That was a great co-feature to lead right into it. Just a few minutes left on the Fight Freaks Unite podcast. You gave me a lot of meat on the bone there. Great atmosphere, Irish fans, uh, Puerto Rican, New York fans. Uh, again, the, the fifth round was just almost rock'em, sock'em robots, and then Serrano began to get the better of Katie Taylor. Uh, do you believe in the analysis now, having rewatched it, did she maybe overexert? Was she tired? 
I'm not making excuses here because she did win the sixth round, but from that fifth round on, we never saw another round like that in terms of output and punches. Did she punch herself out a little bit? Give me a quick thought on that, Dan, on Serrano. I think I, I think maybe there's something to that. I think there, I think there may be something to the fact that, you know, Katie is the bigger woman. I mean, they're fighting obviously the same way, but most of them, and Amanda has one title, uh, has won a title at lightweight also. But I think that she still is the smaller framed woman that it got to a point where there, there's so much contact between them that 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 leaning on her and and all that it's, it takes its toll after a little while and maybe she just couldn't get the punches off as well in the later part of the fight as she could uh, when she really had her hurt badly like you mentioned in the fifth round and in the sixth round um, you know and by the way if, if if people think that that Amanda was the rightful winner I can't argue with that either it was that close of a fight. Um, to me, what I really separated? Thought, can I interject? I really thought sure. 95, 95. I really thought five, five. I thought Serrano had won five of the first six rounds. That's just me. And I thought Katie Taylor won all four of the remaining rounds. And, and what do we always say? You got to finish strong to beat a champion on points. And Amanda Serrano didn't win the ninth or the 10th round, the championship rounds, if you will. That's my thought. What's your thought? The 10th round was spectacular. She actually, in that, they stood like and just like duped it out the last, you know, 20, 30 seconds. She actually had um, uh, uh, Taylor, you know, rocked in the last, like literally like four or five seconds of the fight where she hit her with a shot and Katie pitched forward. Uh, the reason why I wouldn't necessarily see it as a draw, I would have personally scored that fifth round, a 10-8 round in favor of Serrano because it was that dominant, that one-sided, that much of an ass-kicking, even without a knockdown that she deserved the extra point. I have not seen the official cards. I am told one of the judges did in fact score it that way. Yes, that's uh, correct. So I thought that 10-8 for that round uh, would have been appropriate. It, now, interesting that that judge had Taylor winning 96-93, even with the 10-8 round. It was not the judge that gave it to Serrano. And right. just one more on the judging. Glenn Feldman's been a longtime judge around championship fights. You've covered him. He had that thing 7-3 for Katie Taylor. I thought too wide. I did not agree that Serrano only won three rounds, but that was his take. Just interjecting that, Dan. One, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a good judge. I know him for, for many years. He's an honest guy. Uh, that's how he saw it. You know, um, you can disagree. There's nothing nefarious there in my view. It's just that's the way he saw the fight. Um, again, I, don't, I, I think that if you score the fight, it should maybe be a little bit closer. But it, there was nothing controversial about that result. It was what it was. You can pick hairs and, you know, it was just we all can say one thing. It was a two things, really. It was a great fight and it was a close fight. And uh, both of those women should hold their head high. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're probably going to see a rematch. You know, both women were interested. Uh, Amanda said so. Um, uh, um, I was you know, going Katie there said, okay. and you went there yourself. Do you think? And then, and then Jake Paul. Do you yeah. think we will see it again maybe as soon as like this fall, this winter Absolutely. that they'll fight again? You believe that? No question about it. I mean, if you have both boxers saying they're interested, the money is going to be there. The interest from the public is going to be there. The interest from the media is going to be there. You have the two promoters, Eddie Hearn and, and, uh, and Jake Paul, both saying they'd like to do it. Eddie already saying he'd like to do the fight in Ireland where Katie is a very popular figure but has never fought as a professional um, and, and certainly would embrace that fight. Uh, Madison Square Garden would certainly be interested in hosting the rematch also after what they saw last night. Jake Paul said, if we want to go, you know, if it's Ireland, it is, and Ireland, it is. So, you know, we have all the important figures. Uh, also, uh, Jordan Maldonado, who is the trainer and manager of Amanda Serrano, said the same thing. They were game uh, for, for another go. So when you have everybody involved in the teams um, coming off that kind of event where, by the way, both sides made the biggest money they've ever made for a fight before, uh, how do you not do it again? I think the fans would eat it up. And it's like Eddie was saying, even in the pre-fight, you know, we might see a trilogy here because it's that competitive fight. They're both, you know, among the, the top 
you know, handful of women's names in the sport. Um, you know, if you're a fan of women's boxing, you know, everybody involved should be proud of what they saw last night. And, uh, the one thing about it was, uh, I was just disappointed that, you know, you can't be in two places at once. I, I, I love the Shakur fight against Valdez. It's a right. highly significant fight, uh, in the sport. And, uh, because of the fact that it was also the, 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 the week before Canelo, which I was also going to be at, it just made more sense to be in one place for the time instead of the multiple travels and multiple expenses. Um, but had it not been conflicting, I, of course, I would have been in New York for that fight also. Uh, bottom line, though, uh, TJ, last night was a hell of a night for boxing with oh, those no two doubt. fights. No doubt. we got to get out of here in just a minute. You're hearing Dan Rayfield. We're closing out the Fight Freaks Unite recap podcast. And let's give full credit. You were saying this without saying it. Full credit to Katie Taylor, who did not go down in the fifth round and was being uh, pummeled uh, in that fifth round and really taking some big shots in the tenth round. No questions about her toughness. And let's do this again. Let's see that again for both. The, and, and Serrano, very gracious in defeat. Very bitter pill to swallow right there in the backyard in New York with all the Puerto Rican fans, et cetera, that were there to hear Katie Taylor's name called. She was gracious in defeat. Good on both of them. We've got to go in a moment or two. Final thoughts off the weekend. I know we'll preview Canelo Bevo. We'll have lots of content on that all week on BigFightWeekend.com. And uh, and also the big fight weekend preview, your sub stack, et cetera. We'll have lights of lots of coverage there. But in the recap mode off the weekend, anything else, Dan, before we're gone? I would just say two things. One, you saw a star making performance from Shakur Stevenson, who's going to be around a long time. We're going to be talking about him a lot as the years go by. And I think this might have been the beginning of a series of very significant fights in the women's side of boxing that are not just significant fights, but also economically viable events where they generate real money. You said it was a bitter pill for Amanda Serrano to, to swallow because of the loss in front of the uh, a lot of her Puerto Rican fans right there in her hometown in New York. Uh, I'll say this. A bitter pill is a lot easier to swallow when you have a million-dollar payday coming True. to you, which is literally like six times or seven times more that she ever made for a fight in her life. So no doubt. good for them and for those women to get paid. No doubt about that. And we'll see it again. Speaking of getting paid, we have to learn later on Jake Paul paying up to Eddie Hearn on the million-dollar bet that he didn't think he was going to have to pay up on. Katie Taylor gets uh, the win. More on that. When, when, I see, when I see Eddie Hearn when he arrives here in Las Vegas to uh, <laughs> begin the festivities for the Canelo Bebo fight, I, of course, will be asking him go. if he got his money. There's Dan Rayfield. I'm merely TJ Reeves. We appreciate you finding us. Again, subscribe to the audio podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Also find us on the Big Fight Weekend YouTube channel. For now, we're good on Fight Freaks Unite. Bye.